Welcome to the weekly sermons and studies podcast at First Baptist. Today's speaker is our senior pastor, Dr. Jeff Reynolds. Let's pray together. Lord, we are so amazed that you would pursue us when we were at our lowest point. There's nothing, no one who could rescue us, Lord, you came. And while we were yet sinners, Christ died for us. You came because of your great and deep and abiding love for us. And Lord, you welcomed us unto yourself through Jesus Christ, our Lord. And so, Lord, now, as we turn to your word, we pray that in the presence of your Holy Spirit, that you would transform us by the renewing of our minds so that we would become more like you. So that, Lord, when we leave this experience, the love of Christ would flow more freely from us and through us to people who are at their lowest place. So that they might know there's a God in the heavens who loves them and who desires to be in relationship with them, who desires through his love to lift them unto himself, just as you lifted us unto yourself. And so, Lord, speak to our hearts. Transform us by the renewing of our minds. Make us more like Jesus, for it's in his precious and holy name that we pray. Amen. When did you realize who Jesus really is, and how did you respond to that realization? When did you realize who Jesus really is, and how did you respond to that realization? Um, I started going to church when I was three. I went because my parents loved me and wanted to be sure that I was exposed to the teachings of Almighty God, so I went. And I remember going to Sunday school and going to children's church, going to vacation Bible school, being a part of big church, and I remember being exposed to a lot of things. I remember being exposed to those little cookies that are shaped like flowers with holes in the middle. Do you remember? And you would put them down on your finger. I had more of those cookies and more red punch than I can remember. I had more potlucks and spaghetti suppers than I can count. I had the church experience, but what was happening as I was going and I was participating is that I was being exposed to the deepest teachings the world has ever known, teachings about the God who made us, who loves us, who desires to lift us through Jesus Christ unto himself. But if I'm honest, from the time I was age three throughout my childhood, it was just something that I did. Until one moment at Camp Lucon in Litchfield, Kentucky, at a new song festival that my church youth group had gone to and and to which I had tagged along, it all came together. All of the teaching that I had been receiving over all those years, all of the the truth that had been instilled in me, it it all converged into a moment when the preacher, and I can't tell you the preacher's name, I probably never knew the preacher's name, but the preacher preached a message on Philippians 1.21. And Philippians 1.21 is the Apostle Paul writing to the church at Philippi as he is imprisoned in Rome, and he says, for to me to live is Christ and to die is gain. And the preacher there at the New Song Festival told all of us who were gathered there that Jesus was the one who had overcome the grave and who could overcome the grave for us. And in that moment, all of that teaching over all of those years converged and I saw Jesus as being bigger than I had ever seen him before. 
I saw him as being Almighty God who had come in flesh to rescue us. I saw his arms open to receive even me. And so that night, by my bedside, I actually got down on my knees and I surrendered my life to Jesus. I recognized that Jesus was worth all of me. I still do. So what about you? When was that moment for you when it all came together, when it finally clicked, when you finally had all of that truth that you had been exposed to, however long you had been exposed to it, when it finally all came together and you realized that Jesus is worthy of my life, he is worth surrendering all of me unto him. Today we're going to look at Peter's moment. I want to invite you to open your Bible to Luke chapter 5. Luke chapter 5, today we're beginning a new series that will carry us through Easter and beyond entitled, Jesus Is. Jesus Is. The title of the message today is, Jesus Is Lord. But what I want us to see as we look through Dr. Luke's account of Jesus' life is that as Jesus was moving in mighty ways, so is he moving in mighty ways still today. As Jesus did great things then, he's still doing great things now. Jesus is, for he is the great I am. He's the same yesterday, today, and forevermore. And so when we look to his character back then, we learn about his character right now. And we can be bolstered in our expectation of what is to come, because Jesus is. Well, today, as we look at Peter's moment, when everything came together and it clicked, I want to give you this theme. Jesus is Lord over nature, and Jesus is Lord over me. Jesus is Lord over nature, and Jesus is Lord over me. Luke is a physician. How many of you are glad to know you can be a remarkably intelligent scientist and have a deep and robust faith in the Lord Jesus Christ? No matter what they may try to tell you these days, those two worlds collide well. Science and faith are friends and always have been. So Luke, the physician, set out to create, cultivate, and tell the story of Jesus' life from his perspective and from the perspective of the eyewitnesses who shared with him. And he writes these things as he's carried along by the Holy Spirit, saying this. Luke chapter 5, beginning with verse 1. On one occasion, while the crowd was pressing in on him to hear the word of God, he was standing by the lake of Gennesaret, and he saw two boats by the lake. But the fishermen had gone out of them and were washing their nets. Getting into one of the boats, which was Simon's, he asked him to put out a little from the land. And he sat down and taught the people from the boat. And when he had finished speaking, he said to Simon, Put out into the deep and let down your nets for a catch. And Simon answered, Master, we toiled all night and took nothing. But at your word, I will let down the nets. And when they had done this, they enclosed a large number of fish, and their nets were breaking. They signaled to their partners in the other boat to come and help them. And they began, and they came and filled both the boats. So they began to sink. Our first point today is this. Jesus, the creator and sustainer of all things, is Lord over nature. Jesus, the creator and sustainer of all things, is Lord over nature. 
Now, you may find it odd that we refer to Jesus, the second person of the Holy Trinity, God the Son, as the creator and sustainer, but that is what the, the Bible teaches. In John chapter 1, with verse, in verse 3, John writes that all things were made through Jesus, and without him was not anything made that was made. And then later in verse 10 of John chapter 1, John tells us that he, Jesus, was in the world, and the world was made through him, yet the world did not know him. In 1 Corinthians chapter 8, verse 6, the Apostle Paul writes, Yet for us there is one God, the Father, from whom are all things and for whom we exist, and one Lord Jesus Christ, through whom all are all things and through whom we exist. Colossians 1, verses 15 through 17 tells us that Jesus is the image of the invisible God, the firstborn of all creation. For by him all things were created in heaven and on earth, visible and invisible, whether thrones or dominions or rulers or authorities. All things were created through him and for him. And he is before all things, and in him all things hold together. And then again in Hebrews chapter 1, verses 1 and 2. The author of Hebrews writes that long ago at many times and in many ways, God spoke to our fathers by the prophets. But in these last days, he has spoken to us by his son, whom he appointed the heir of all things, through whom also he created the world. So Jesus is the agent of creation. Jesus is our creator, but he is also our sustainer. The author of Hebrews continues in chapter 1, verse 3, saying that he, Jesus, is the radiance of the glory of God and the exact imprint of his nature, and he upholds the universe by the word of his power. Later in Hebrews, the author of Hebrews would say, now in putting everything in subjection to Jesus, God left nothing outside of his control. At present, we do not yet see everything in subjection to him, but we see him who for a little while was made lower than the angels, namely Jesus, crowned with glory and honor because of the suffering of death, so that by God's grace he might taste death for everyone. He is the one for whom and by whom all things exist. So Jesus is our creator, he is our sustainer, and he is Lord over nature. If he were to quit holding all things together, as Colossians tells us, that he holds all things together, then we would literally all fall apart. And I mean at the subatomic and subcellular level. It would all fall apart. This is what Peter is learning. So here's the scene. Jesus is a rabbi. Peter is familiar with Jesus. Peter's brother Andrew was a disciple of John the Baptist, and we learn in John's gospel that Andrew had heard from John the Baptist that Jesus was the Lamb of God. And Andrew met Jesus, spent time with him, and then went and found Peter and said, we have found the Messiah. We learn from Luke's gospel that Jesus and Peter had interacted as Simon, Peter's mother-in-law, lay sick with a fever, and Jesus brought healing to her. But in Luke chapter 5, we see all of the truth about Jesus click for Peter. So the rabbi's teaching, and the crowds are great, and they're pressing in, and there's a couple of boats there. One of them's Peter's boat. And Jesus says, Peter, you care if I teach from your boat? Fine. Peter had had a long night. He had been out fishing all night. How many of you have ever been fishing all night? I have. I went on a fishing trip through the night. I was excited. We didn't catch a thing. 
The excitement wanes when you see fishing boats go down Barren River Lake at what has to be 80 miles an hour in pitch blackness. That's a little scary. But I was fishing for fun. Peter was fishing for his livelihood. And the fact that they toiled all night and caught nothing didn't just mean that he didn't have a good story to tell when he got together with the other fishermen. No, it meant financial strain for he and his family. This was their business. This was their livelihood. They had worked all night long. Now the sun is up. The sun is shining. It's no longer a good time to fish. And they're cleaning their nets. The nets that they exhibited wear and tear upon all night for no good reason. Jesus asked to get in a boat that had to be out all night for no good reason. And he's talking to fishermen who've been out all night for no good reason. The rabbi wants to teach. He can use my boat for a platform. Fine. Well, Jesus teaches, and he asks Simon to do something. He says, Peter, I want you to put out a little bit into the water, and I want you to put down your nets for a catch. Now, I have to imagine that Peter's perspective in this moment was, look, rabbi, I get it. You teach us about spiritual things, and that's wonderful, and I'm thankful for your teaching. But now you're coming into my area of expertise. It reminds me, Commissioner, of times I've been out on the farm with some of our farmers and looking at these gargantuan machines called combines that allow me to eat. But as I'm looking at the, the combine and what works and how it works and all those sorts of things, I'm clueless. I've stepped out of my realm of expertise. Peter feels like Jesus has stepped out of his realm of expertise. We're talking about fishing now, Jesus. I'm the one that knows about this. But, but, Master, he calls him Master, at your word, I'll do what you want. How many times that night had Peter let down the nets? How many times that night, Doc, had Peter tried one more cast? How many times the night before had Peter come up empty and now Jesus is saying let down the nets? Maybe he just wants to see how it works. I don't know. Whatever you want, Jesus, I'll do. And what happens? Well, the Bible says that the catch is so great that it fills not only Peter's boat, but it also fills James and John's boat too. The catch is so overwhelming, and in that moment, Peter realizes something that he hadn't caught before. He realized that he was talking to the one who is Lord, not only over the spiritual realm, but Lord over all of the realms. Peter realized he was talking to God. How did he respond? Verse 8. But when Simon Peter saw it, he fell down at Jesus' knees, saying, Depart from me, for I am a sinful man, O Lord. For he and all who were with him were astonished at the catch of fish that they had taken. And so also were James and John, sons of Zebedee, who were partners with Simon. And Jesus said to Simon, do not be afraid. From now on, you will be catching men. And when they had brought their boats to land, they left everything and followed him. Our second point today is this. Jesus, the creator, sustainer, and redeemer of persons, is Lord over me. Jesus, the creator, sustainer, and redeemer of persons, is Lord over me. Not only is our God the creator of the cosmos, 
Not only is our God the creator of our world and everything in it, but you heard our youth sing today the truth that our God is the creator and sustainer of us. He knit us together inside of our mother's womb. From the moment of conception, God was putting us together on purpose, with purpose, for purpose. That purpose was to know him, to trust him, to follow him. And he brought us forth. He knew us before he made us. And he knows us now more intimately than we even know ourselves. I'll prove it to you. How many of you know how many hairs are on top of your head? Well, he knows that information about all of us. He knows us at the very deepest parts of who we are, and he loves us. As he sustains us, he beckons us to come to him. Peter, in the moment of two boats being filled with fish to the degree that they were about to sink, understood that he was talking to God. And what did he do? Much like Isaiah, when he had his vision of the throne room in Isaiah chapter 6. You remember this? Isaiah's there. He sees the Lord high and lifted up, and the train of his robe fills the temple. And the seraphim are there, and they are calling out to one another, holy, holy, holy is the Lord of hosts. The whole earth is filled with his glory. What was Isaiah's response? He said, woe is me, for I am a man of unclean lips, and I have come before almighty God. And God in his mercy had one of the angels take a coal from the altar and bring it and cleanse the lips of the prophet, the one who would proclaim the message of Almighty God to God's people who had turned away from him. Well, in the same way, Peter, who would be the one to proclaim the message of Almighty God to the people who had turned away from him, Peter falls on his face before Jesus, and he begs him to go away. Why? Because when you're face to face with the perfect holiness of God, your nasty sinfulness is magnified. That's true for all of us. When we are face to face with the perfect holiness of God, the depth of our imperfection is magnified. And like Isaiah who said, woe is me, Peter, Peter asked the Lord, to depart from him, for he is a sinful man, and he recognizes that he is talking to the Lord. He bows in fear, in reverence, and in awe. And in that moment, he surrenders himself fully and finally to the creator and sustainer of all things, the one who had come to him to be his redeemer. For not only was God the one who knit him together inside of his mother's womb, not only was God the one who was sustaining him at the very deepest levels of his existence, but God had so loved him that he has visited him. He is there before him. And though Peter thought he was the expert about fishing, he realized Jesus is the expert about all things. Jesus, several times throughout his ministry, illustrated his power over nature. You remember when the storm came up on the Sea of Galilee, the same body of water. It was called the Sea of Galilee in the Lake of Gennesaret. You remember when the storm blew up, and, and he was in the back of the boat doing what? He was asleep. 
and they wake him up and they say, what are you doing, Lord? Don't you care that we're going to perish? And what does he do? He looks out across the wind and the waves and he says, peace, be still. And what happens? There is peace and there is calm. And they marvel. And they say, who then is this that even wind and waves obey him? Or do you remember in the middle of the night when Jesus came walking upon the water out to the boat where the disciples were and, and they said, Peter says, if it's you, Lord, tell me to come out onto the waves with you. I bet Peter was eating those words when Jesus replied by saying, come on. And so Peter gets out of the boat. And while he's focused on Jesus, what's he doing? He's transcending the laws of physics and he's walking on top of water with Jesus. But then what does he do? He takes his eyes off of Jesus and he begins to sink. It's a great story, allegory, to help us realize that when we take our eyes off Jesus, that's when we begin to sink too. What about Thomas? You remember Thomas? He wasn't with the disciples when the resurrected Lord appeared to them. And they shared with him the great message of the resurrection of Jesus, that though he had died on the cross, he had been raised from the dead and he was alive. And and what did Thomas say? Well, unless I see the wounds, unless I can touch the scars, I will never believe it. And what happens? Some days later, Thomas is there, and here comes Jesus, the risen Lord. And I love Jesus. He doesn't look at Thomas and say, you foul doubter. I'm so thankful for that because how many times in my life and in your life have we said, I don't know if I can buy this. Jesus comes to Thomas and says, here, put your hands here. And what does Thomas do? Recognizing that Jesus is Lord over life and death, he falls to his knees and he confesses, my Lord and my God. All of these people had a moment where it all came together. It all clicked. Everything they had been taught, everything they had observed, it all came together. For Peter, it was a couple of boatloads of fish. For Thomas, it was the tangible proof that Jesus had risen from the grave. For me, it was a sermon on Philippians 121 in a field in Litchfield, Kentucky. What was it for you? You might be in this room and you haven't come to that moment, yet it all hasn't converged for you. It all hasn't come together. Maybe now you're seeing who Jesus is. Maybe now you're seeing that he is God over all, forever praised. Maybe now you're seeing that He is the Creator, He is the Sustainer, He is the Redeemer, and He is the one with His arms open to receive anyone who will come to Him. In just a moment, we're going to have a time of response. And if you've never given your life to Christ, as our ministers will be at the front, we invite you to come and and talk to us about that. We'd love to talk to you about what it means to, like Peter, surrender yourself to Jesus. You can do that if you're at home, too. I didn't go forward in the service that day because in my church culture, you didn't go forward. (laughs) So I went to my room, and I prayed and surrendered my life to Jesus. You can do that there, too. 
If you need to talk about what it means to profess that faith by way of biblical baptism, we would love to talk with you about that. What it means to trust and follow Jesus in your every moment, we would love to talk with you about that. But I just want to encourage you. Jesus is Lord over all. And He loves you so much. And He is willing to receive you now. Would you pray with me? Father, we love you. We thank you for your amazing love for us. In your presence, we recognize our sinfulness. But in your presence, we also recognize your love. And so, Lord, for anyone who is a part of this service, whether in the room or by virtual means, who has never surrendered their life to you, may today be the day they say, Jesus, I'm a sinner, but you're the Savior. Come into my life. Forgive me of my sin. I give all of me to trust and follow you. We ask your blessing in Jesus' name. Amen. Thank you for listening, and we hope you'll join us next time. We'd love to connect with you. Just email connect at firstbaptistbg.org or call 270-842-0331.